0: We are in a series through the book of Amos this fall, and uh, that's in the Old Testament. It may not be very familiar, so if you need to look it up in the front of your Bible to find a page number and get to Amos, please do that. But today we are going to be in Amos chapter 5, and as we started out our study, we noted that this material in the book of Amos is roughly 2,750 years old, almost three millennia old. And yet it's as appropriate for us today as it was when Amos first proclaimed this message. And the reason why it is, is because God doesn't change. What's important to God today was important to God to 2,750 years ago, and it will be important to God for eternity. And one of the things that we see in the book of Amos is that justice is important to God. We live in an era today where people are talking a lot about justice, and many view it as uh, something that needs to be put forth just politically or a certain segment of our population says that they are concerned about justice but not others. But ultimately, the one who is most concerned about justice is God himself. And one of the things that we're going to see today in Amos chapter 5 is that God does not always wait Until the end judgment, in order to bring justice. In fact, sometimes God chooses to bring justice now. It is, it is especially offensive to God when people are not. Treating other people fairly and right. And it is especially offensive to God when it's His people who are mistreating others. And we're going to see this morning that God, through the prophet Amos, is going to tell the northern tribes of Israel that he is going to bring discipline upon them because of their injustice. And we're also going to see in these 17 verses of Amos chapter 5 that God is going to tell them that there is a way for them to respond. He's telling them, I'm going to bring discipline on you because you are not treating other people fairly, rightly, justly. But there is a recourse. There is something that you can do. And he's going to sum it up in two simple words. Seek me. Seek me. And so this morning we're going to talk about what it means to seek the Lord in the midst of what the prophet Amos says to us here in Amos chapter 5 verses 1 through 17. This morning at our breakfast time before the worship service starts in the gym, we were talking a little bit about what it was like to Work on the farm. And I spent a lot of time working on my grandparents and uncle farm, uncle's farm. And one of the things that was my job when I was at the farm was shoveling manure. That was my job. Cleaning off the hog lots. And in the early years before my uncle took over, uh, they didn't do that mechanically. They did it by hand. Their their hog confinement wasn't large enough to get a tractor in. And they had all these smaller pens. We had to do it by hand. And so my brother and I and my first cousin would go out with scoop shovels. And we'd scoop hog manure. Now, that wasn't the most pleasant job. I will never forget one of our, our first evangelism pastor we hired here at Dallas Seminary, or at Faith Bible Church, was a guy named Darren Stelsing. And I was in a car with Darren, with Darren, and uh, we drove past a hog lot, and he, he's a city kid, big time, and he said, what is that awful smell? It just, he turned about 12 shades of green, it was hilarious. <laughs> Well, that was my job. Now, what was interesting is when we were done, and it was time to come in for dinner in my grandma's house, she would always meet us on the back steps and make us strip our clothes. Now, I was like in high school. I wasn't keen about stripping down to my skivvies in front of my grandma, but there was no way on the face of the earth, that she was going to let me come into dinner without stripping off those clothes that I had just been out in the hog lot with. She's saying, No, you're not coming into this house wearing those clothes. It's time for dinner. You strip off, you head down to the cellar, take a shower, and then come eat. She wasn't going to dine with me with... Dirty clothing. One of the things that we're going to talk about this morning. Is that when Amos tells Israel. To seek the Lord. It means more. To Amos. Than just entering the house of the Lord. There's actually some Items that Amos is going to tell Israel to do. There is some stripping off that needs to take place. You see, the Lord doesn't want us to sit down with Him while we're still wearing our dirty clothes. Now, it is very, very true that we are saved, we experience forgiveness of our sin by faith alone in Jesus alone. There is nothing that we can do to earn a right standing with God. We can't. We can't do enough good things to somehow put on a scale to outweigh our sin. We are saved only by faith. In the person of Jesus Christ, believing that he is God, that he died on the cross as payment for our sin, and rose again from from the dead. And it's just as true that we not only are only saved by faith, but we can only live out the Christian life by faith. Meaning that we are not saved by faith in Jesus Christ by grace, but then live for Jesus out of our own strength. We can't do that either. The only way we can live a pleasing life before the Lord is by the enablement of the Spirit of God. But the enablement of the Spirit of God also calls us to action. Sometimes in our lives there's things that need to be stripped off. There's areas of sin that we need to set aside. That there is an aspect to our Christian life where we do have to take some action steps in order to be able to enjoy fellowship, in a sense to sit down at the table with the Lord. And so, as we talk about seeking the Lord this morning... Amos is going to make it very clear that seeking the Lord is more than just an outward religious experience. He's actually going to call them to strip off some sin, to take off what stinks, before coming to enjoy the table with the Lord. Now, as we look this morning at Amos chapter 5, we're going to see that Amos 5 has a very unique structure. And one of my professors at Dallas Seminary, a guy named Bob Chisholm, has put this structure down for us in a very easy way to see. Because oftentimes, especially in the Old Testament scriptures, there is parallelism of thought. Hebrew poetry oftentimes is more a parallelism of thought than it is like rhyming words. Although sometimes, even in the chapter we're in today, sometimes there's some points made by words that sound very similar. But here, Amos is bringing this message to Israel in a way where there is very much parallelism of thought. And if you look at this little chart, you're going to see that the point that Amos makes in verses 1 through 3, he also makes in verses 16 and 17. The point that he makes in verses 4 through 6, you need to repent. He's also going to make in verses 14 and 15, you need to repent. The point that he makes in verse 7, because you stand guilty and doomed before God, is the same point that he makes in verses 10 through 13. You stand guilty and doomed before him. And then all of this passage is going to move to the very two middle verses, verses 8 and 9. So I'm going to actually read verses 1 through 17 along this pattern. And it's important for us to see this pattern in order to understand the verses. So verses 1 through 3 say, Hear this word which I take up for you as a dirge, O house of Israel, she's fallen. She will not rise again, the virgin Israel. She lies neglected on her land, there's none to raise her up. For thus says the Lord God, the city which goes forth a thousand strong will have a hundred left, and the one which goes forth a hundred strong will have ten left to the house of Israel. Now that's parallel to verses 16 and 17, which I'm going to read right now. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of hosts, the Lord, there is wailing in all the plazas, in all the streets, they say, Alas, alas! They also call the farmer to mourning and professional mourners to lamentation. And in all the vineyards, there's wailing because I will pass through the midst of you, says the Lord. So both in verses 1 through 3 and verses 16 through 17, the Lord is saying, Discipline is coming. Discipline is coming. Then we come to verses four through six for thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, seek me that you may live. But do not resort to Bethel, do not come to Gilgal, nor cross over to Beersheba, for Gilgal will certainly go into captivity, and Bethel will come to trouble. Seek the Lord that you may live, or he will break forth like a fire or a house of Joseph, and it will consume with none to quench it for Bethel. Well that's a parallel to verses fourteen and fifteen. Seek good and not evil that you may live. And thus says, and thus may the Lord God of hosts be with you. Just as you have said, hate evil, love good, establish justice in the gate. Perhaps the Lord God of hosts may be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. So we say in verses four through six and in verses fourteen through fifteen, you need to repent. Then we come to verses seven through or excuse me, verse 7. For those who turn justice into wormwood and cast righteousness down to the earth. That's parallel to verses 10 through 13. They hate him who reproves in the gate. They abhor him who speaks with integrity. Therefore, because you impose heavy rent on the poor and exact a tribute of grain from them, though you've built houses of well-hewn stone, yet you will not live in them. You've planted pleasant vineyards, yet you will not drink their wine. For I know your transgressions are many and your sins are great. You who distress the righteous and accept bribes and turn aside the poor in the gate. Therefore, at such a time, the prudent person keeps silent for it's an evil time. So we see that the reason they need to repent is they stand guilty before God in verse 7. And then in verses 10 through 13, you stand guilty and doomed. And then the very center of the passage is a description of God. And we see in verses 8 and 9, He who made Pleiades and Orion and changes deep darkness into morning, who also darkens day and night, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the surface of the earth, the Lord is His name. If He who flashes forth with destruction upon the strong, so the destruction comes upon the fortress. Verses 1 through 17 of Amos. So this morning we're going to see in the book of Amos. That the prophet is telling the people of Israel. Discipline is coming. It is sure. But you have something that you can do. You can seek me. You can seek me. The first major point that we see in these verses is that all-powerful God will discipline His people for acting unjustly toward others. God loves justice. And when his people treat others unfairly, he disciplines. He disciplines because he is all-powerful God. So I want us to first look at the very center of the passage in verses 7 through 8. And in seven through eight, we see this description of the power of God. It talks about the fact that God controls the constellations of the stars. That's what he's talking about when he said that he made the constellations, Pleiades and Orion. He is the one that brings light to dark and dark to light. He's the one that create, that is in control of the cycles of the day and night. He is the one who controls the seas. He is the one who brings rain to the earth. Verse 8, He changes deep darkness in the morning. He darkens day into night. He calls the waters of the sea and pours them out to the surface of the earth. And then Amos says this, The Lord is His name. The Lord is his name. The one who controls the universe is the same God that is Israel's covenant God. That's the point Amos is saying. Just as God told Israel in Deuteronomy 28-30, through 30, if you obey me, I'm going to bless you. But if you disobey me, I'm going to discipline you. And the point here that Amos is making is this. God's a big God. He is such a big God that he always does what he says he will do. And he is a big enough God to discipline Israel and to discipline you and me when we remain in our sin against him. He pictures Israel here almost like they have their fist before God said, "I'm going to do what I want to do." He puts it this way in the end of verse 9, "It's he who flashes forth with destruction upon the strong so that destruction comes upon the fortress." Those man-made fortresses that that Israel thinks, I can just do what I want. Nothing will happen to me. Well, they're going to see that he's much bigger than a man-made fortress. So Amos the prophet tells them, Discipline's coming. Notice verse 1. Hear this word which I take up for you as a dirge, a funeral song. O house of Israel, she has fallen. She will not rise again, the virgin Israel. Now remember, when this is written, everything is going great for Israel. I mean, they've had peace in the land for so long. They are affluent. They are at peace. Everything is going great. They have great crops. Everything is going great. It's like all of their potential is before them. Almost like a a young woman who has just on the edge of beginning her adult life. And yet Amos is so sure that discipline is coming, he uses the past tense saying, oh, by the way, I'm going to sing a funeral song for you. In fact, he says that there's going to be a foreign invader that comes in and if a hundred guys go out to do battle, only ten will come back. Now parallel to this, verses 1 through 3, is down in verses 16 and 17, saying the same thing. Discipline's coming. You're going to, your crops are going to be ruined, most likely because of military conflict. The farmer's going to be in mourning. The vineyards will be wailing. Discipline is sure. Why? Why is the Lord so upset with Israel? Why is He so, so moved to bring discipline on Israel? Well, verses 7 and 10 through 13 tell us. Verse 7. They've turned justice into wormwood into something that's bitter. And then, parallel to verse 7, as verses 10 through 13, he tells us specifically what Israel's been doing. They have been taking advantage of people. In verse 10, he's talking about an arbiter, a, a, a good judge. And when he talks about justice in the gate... It would be similar to us saying, I'm going to go down to the county courthouse or the federal courthouse. The city gate is where they had court. And so in verse 10, it says, They hate him who reproves or arbitrates in the gate. They abhor him who speaks with integrity. In other words, if you are an honest judge in in this time period of Israel, they're going to hate you. Because you're too honest. You see, there's all kinds of stuff going on behind closed doors. Most likely, verse 11 is saying that the wealthy amongst Israel are using the court system to steal people's land, and then they are making them pay them large portions of the crop just to stay on the land. You impose heavy rent on the poor. You exact a tribute of grain from them. In verse 12 it says they accept bribes. And at the end it says they turn aside the poor in the gate. If you don't have wealth, there's no justice for you at this time in Israel. In fact, in verse 13, it says, Therefore, at such a time, the prudent person keeps silent, for it's an evil time. In other words, if you do need the legal system, you'd be better off not even going there. You'd just be better off just be silent. You see, God's going to bring discipline. Discipline. He's all-powerful God. He is covenant God with Israel. He has clearly told them, if you obey me, I'm going to bless you. But if you disobey me, I'm going to bring discipline on you. And that's exactly what he's saying here. And Israel has just been standing there saying, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I've got a fortress. This last weekend, Barbara and I took care of our twenty-one-month-old granddaughter, Emily. Oh my stars! I don't know if I've been as tired as when that little squirt left. They just—it is energy all the time, and it was just continual. Hi, Grandpa! Hi, Grandpa! And then, Hi, Emily! Hi, Grandpa! And just. Running all over the place all the time. Well, about a year ago, Barbara took this big cardboard box that I think it was a dishwasher in it or something, and, and she made a cardboard house out of it. And Emmeline would go into that cardboard house and close the door, thinking that I'm too big to get to her. My other little granddaughter a couple weeks ago, was telling me about riding her bike. she's three. And I said, Eloise, can grandpa ride your bike? And she said, no, your bum is too big. <laughs> That's my granddaughter. So, little Emmeline's inside this cardboard house and, 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 and she's saying, grandpa! Like, you can't get to me! I'm in a place where you can't find me. Little did she know that all Grandpa had to do is walk over to that cardboard box and grab hold of it and just lift it straight up in the air and there she is. You see, she was in a cardboard fortress. And what the Lord is telling Israel through Amos the prophet is you may think you're getting away with all this stuff. You may think you're in a fortress against God, but guess what? We have a God who's in control of the universe. And He's big. And He's big enough to deal with us when we willfully choose to remain in our sin against Him. And He's big enough to deal with us when we are mistreating other people because God loves justice. And Amos is saying he will bring discipline. We looked at this passage last week. I'm just going to read one verse of it quickly out of Hebrews chapter 12. It just reminds us, it says, if you're without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. In other words, because... We are his people. He disciplines us. He does not allow us just to stay in our sin. Why? Because justice is important to God. Now then this brings us to a point where we say, how do these verses apply to me? How could I possibly be guilty of what Israel is doing? How could I possibly not be fair with people? How could I possibly not be just with people? Well, I think there's a couple of levels of application that we can look at here. One would be, A direct level of application for, if, if for those of us who would ever hire someone, are we being fair with the person that we hire? Are we, is our yes, yes? Are we following through with what we said we would, how we would remunerate a person for the work that's done? Do we ever fall into a trap of thinking that, well, I'm not going to quite follow through with what I said, but it's such a little deal, they're not going to go to the hassle of taking me to court over it. Are we honest when we sell things? Maybe the person that is looking at something that we have listed doesn't even know the right questions to be asking, and And do we ever head into selling something with the attitude, well, if they don't ask me, I don't have to tell them. You see, each and every one of us are accountable to God for how we do justice. But the sure thing is this, that God loves Justice. Justice is important to God. Now there's a second level of, of looking at how this could apply to us if we look at it from the aspect of, am I being fair with people? Even down to, is it fair for me to not forgive my brother or sister in Christ? Do you remember what the apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter four, verses, verse 32, it says this, be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. How can I possibly not forgive my brother or sister in Christ? when I have been in such desperate need for forgiveness from Jesus myself? How can I somehow hold bitterness toward a brother or sister in Christ when Jesus Christ died on the cross for them just like he died on the cross for me? Because I am so needy myself that I needed a Savior because I couldn't fix my own sin. Is it just for me? Is it fair for me who's in so desperate need of forgiveness to hold bitterness toward a brother or sister in Christ? Or am I ever guilty of working angles, holding sway over someone? I have seen over my 33 years of being a pastor, for however long it has been, that uh, sometimes adult parents do this with their adult children. They'll say things like, you are going to do this, or you are not going to have a share of the estate. Holding sway over someone, working an angle over someone to maneuver them the way I want them to go. You see... God has a heart that is just. God has a heart that is fair. He loves justice. And so he tells Israel here, I'm going to discipline you because you haven't been treating your brothers and sisters rightly, fairly. They're doing this to themselves, to the poor in their midst. Well, Amos the prophet does give a glimmer of hope in these verses because he tells them that there is an action item. There is something that needs to be stripped off. And so we find the action item in verses four through six and verses fourteen through fifteen. He puts it this way in verse four. For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, Seek me that you may live. Look down at verse 6. Seek the Lord that you may live. You see, believers can respond to the discipline of the Lord by seeking Him. Now we're going to see what it means to seek Him. Seeking Him is more than just doing something religious. Seeking Him is doing what is good what is right in a very real way to seek him here in amos chapter 5 is to strip off what stinks we can't come to the table with the lord and worship by wearing our stinky clothes thinking that just coming to worship makes everything right with god in fact it's really interesting look at verse 4 again Thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, Seek me that you live, but do not resort to Bethel. Don't come to Gilgal, nor cross over to Beersheba. Now what is Amos saying there? Well, those three places are where Israel went to worship. So the Lord is saying, I'm going to discipline you. You need to seek me. What's their initial reaction? I better go to church. I better go to worship. And what the Lord is saying through the prophet Amos is, I want you to seek me, but just coming to worship is not what I'm talking about. Yes, we all need to come to worship, but not wearing our stinky clothes. There is an action item here. Living for God totally is dependent on His enabling us to live for Him. But sometimes there's action items on our part that we are called to do, like taking off the stinky clothes. Well, how is Israel to take off the stinky clothes? They take off the stinky clothes in verses 14 and 15. How are they to seek Him? Look at verse 14. To seek the Lord means to seek good and not evil that you may live. To seek the Lord, verse 15, is to hate evil and love good and establish justice in the gate. So what what Amos is saying is, I want you to seek the Lord. But I don't want you just to outwardly do something religious to seek me. It's not a time to say, I'm going to keep treating people terrible, but I'm going to go to worship. And that will make everything right. No, what Amos is saying is, start treating people right. That's how I want you to seek me. Instead of cheating people at the court, at the gate, I want you to do justice. At the gate. In 2013, my wife convinced me to do a beach vacation. I'm an Iowa kid. A beach vacation? What are we going to do on a beach vacation? You expect me just to sit in a chair in the sand and just be? I beach vacation? Why? But as a loving husband, I said, yes, I will go. And I think it also came with the stipulation that I'm supposed to do it with joy. And so we went. And to my great surprise, I loved it. I I fell in love with the ocean. It's like so cool. Now, Barbara's idea of being there is sitting in the chair and under the umbrella and jumping out in the water sometimes and coming back. My idea is just to go for a run or walk along the ocean, but I love the ocean, and there's so much about the ocean that I never knew. Like there's this deal called a riptide. And you can be out in the ocean and think everything's okay and all of a sudden there's this undercurrent and it can just suck you out. I learned about that. (laughs) And our natural inclination, if you get into a riptide, is to start trying to swim towards shore and that's not going to do it. It's just going to suck you out further. And what happens is when God calls His people to action, And instead of acting the way He calls them, if they just do what comes natural, it just sucks them further away from God. In other words, if we start sensing that God's at work in our life, and maybe He's, by the Spirit of God, is bringing some conviction in our life, instead of taking action steps to correct that area in our life, we just say, hey, I'm going to go to church. That will make it all better. God will be pleased with me because I went into church. But I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. That's just like getting caught in the riptide and trying to swim towards shore and finding I'm just getting pulled further away. You see, what Amos here is saying to do is to seek the Lord, but to seek Him with action items. Do you remember John fifteen? Or excuse me, John fourteen, fifteen. Very really simple verse. Here's what it says: John fourteen, fifteen. Jesus says this: If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And then Amos says: If you establish justice in the gate, perhaps the Lord God of hosts may be gracious to the remnant of Joseph or of Israel. He's saying, you know what? The Lord may relent from this discipline. We don't presume on God. Sometimes when the Lord decides to bring discipline to our life, He's going to bring discipline. But here, Amos says, sometimes God in His graciousness and His mercy when we turn the course of our life around and take off our stinky clothes and start living for Him, not just on Sunday morning, but on Monday through Saturday, sometimes He will actually relent from the discipline that He was going to bring upon us. So Amos calls Israel to stop doing injustice and instead to do good. When believers turn away from injustice by doing good, they just might avoid God's discipline. Living for our Lord is all about grace. Living for our Lord is all about depending on the Spirit of God to enable us, to equip us. But sometimes, There's some stripping away that needs to happen in our lives too. When we become aware of stuff that shouldn't be there, we need to pray about it, we need to confess it, we need to ask for his enablement to deal with it, but we also need to take steps to do some stripping away of sin. And if we just put our fist up to God and say, I'm going to do what I want to do, he's a big God. And he can lift that cardboard fortress right off of us and remind us of that. Father, we thank you that you are so loving toward us. That you tell us in your word about you. About your heart. About what's important to you. And you are a God of justice. You love justice. Help us to be people who love justice justice too. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.